The Champions League has already delivered plenty of drama. Liverpool thrashed in Naples. Manchester City's Erling Haaland-inspired comeback against Borussia Dortmund. And Bayern Munich winning the Lewandowski derby against Barcelona. We've had Champions Real Madrid looking ominously good and Italian giant Juventus looking painfully bad. Two match days down, four to go. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Now, before we get started on this Champions League edition, I have to give a lot of credit to the guys who were on last week's Premier League shows. They nailed a 5.74 bet builder on the North London derby. Also, secured a 5-1 to one podcast treble, so well done to them. Nothing to do with me, of course. I'm just here to look and sound pretty. Uh, two of the guys who put those trebles together are with me today, Mark O'Hare and in for goals, Jake Osgathorpe. Mark, let's start with... Liverpool against Rangers at Anfield on Tuesday. Now, I want to talk more widely about Liverpool, really, with you. Liverpool tend to win the tournament on the exchange right now. But they've looked so fragile defensively. Lots of talk at the moment about the structural issues. Lots of teams attacking down the left, trying to get in behind Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he's been made a scapegoat to some extent. But has your view on them changed since the start of the group stage? Uh, yeah, it, it's hard not to really. Um, I don't want to just do some scoreboard journalism, but you know, even with your eyes, they might be posting some some pretty strong underlying numbers. But when you watch the matches, it's hard to feel confident in this Liverpool team at this very moment. But uh, as we said from the very start of the competition, we're now only talking in October. And as long as Liverpool are in the knockout stage, come February, March. They're going to be contenders and challengers because they're that good. They've got that quality of squad and you've got full investment in Jurgen Klopp there as well. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sort of debate going into what's gone wrong at the minute. Um, I think I've touched on it occasionally, really, but the slow starts seem to be really hampering them. And that's not just yeah. this season either. To go 2-0 down to a team at home, uh, as good as Brighton, you know, you're giving yourself a bit of an Everest to climb there at the best of times. To then pull that back and, and take a 3-2 lead and still fail to take the points is is going to really, really hurt. But, you know, they've conceded first now in five of their first seven Premier League games this season. Uh, and as I say, this goes on a bit further. It's six six occasions in nine even when you include the Champions League now they've conceded first one of those matches ended nil-nil of course and if you look at last year as well um, they conceded first in six of their final seven games across the Premier League and Champions League so that means they've conceded the opening goal in 12 of the last 16 games across the two major competitions and that's that's really alarming stuff. Like you can't just keep giving yourself a, a handicap hurdle in that sort of sense. And and defensively too, they've not looked to themselves for, for quite some time. It's three clean sheets across a, a 16 game sample now. So that hovers over two seasons, of course, but three victories across nine games this term. It's, it's not good enough for a team of Liverpool stature who will have had aspirations to win the Premier League as well as the Champions League. Let's not forget that uh, it wasn't that long ago they were in the running for four major trophies last season. So um, yeah, it, it's hard not to be swayed by their recent performances and displays but there also is still an element that this team we know they're better than this and I'm just kind of waiting for them to to find that form but you know we're talking about the Champions League and if we talk about the the UCL in in its own sort of entirety they were dreadful against Napoli on match day one but I don't think they were given enough credit for their performance on match day two when they demolished Ajax and it was only really the scoreline that 
that gave Ajax a bit of a semblance of hope in that game. They, they, Liverpool won the shot count 24-3. Um, absolutely monstered them, really, and the game should have been put to bed long before the end. Uh, they could have easily won that game 3 or 4-0. Um, Ajax scored their only shot on target. So if they can reach those standards more consistently, of course they're going to be contenders and challengers. But if we're talking right now, it's hard to be confident in this Liverpool team. It's worth bearing in mind, by the way, that you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Liverpool against Rangers. T's and C's in the description, 18plusCGambleAware.org. For example, you could back Liverpool to win. Rangers have been awful in the Champions League so far. They were dreadful at Ajax and they weren't that much better against Napoli, let's be honest. But Liverpool defensively, very fragile at the moment. So you could bet Liverpool to win both teams to score and Mohamed Salah to score at combined odds of 3.4, just as an example of the kind of bet builder you could put together. Jake, I want to ask you about Tottenham's trip to Frankfurt. I've written the preview for this on our website, betting.betfair.com. Spurs the favourites here at 2.16. Got to say, I think that looks a bit short to me. Tottenham have won just once on the road this season. That was at Forest. Frankfurt have won four of their last five. They they have been patchy at home. There's no getting away from that. But they've just beaten the Bundesliga leaders Union Berlin. How do you see this one turning out? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a little bit short for a Spurs win. <clears throat> um, for for the, the point you made in terms of the away performances uh, and results... The Premier League, they've played, was it four away games now? They've actually lost the XG battle in three of those away games, which is a bit of a, um alarm bells ringing for me, especially when you look at the teams in which they played against Chelsea, West Ham and Arsenal in those matches. Three teams that finished in the top seven last season. So away at the better opposition, they've actually been outplayed um, and been outcreated. So... Uh, obviously, we don't really know if Frankfurt are of that standard or of that level. They're probably slightly better than West Ham in West Ham's current guys. Um, so that could be potentially problematic for Spurs, um, particularly so because they are conceding quite a few chances when they travel. Uh, you've always got the the issue or the problem with Spurs in the sense that they have such good quality going forward that they can score at will when they get it right. Um, but you have to say that there are major question marks, particularly travelling um, in Europe because it's something they've not really done very well uh, the last couple of years and the performance against Sport in the last game was um, was really really disappointing really poor they deservedly lost that match uh, the XG totals were 1.7 to 1.3 obviously Spurs uh, Sporting got a, uh, a they left it late didn't they to score but for the majority of the match they were the better of the two, two teams um, and I, I would definitely be wary of backing Spurs in this one I, I think you know, the way in which the Champions League group stage is structured. They've got back-to-back games against Frankfurt. They absolutely will be looking for for six points, but I think they'd happily take a point here and and beat Frankfurt at at home, put them in a really, really good position to qualify. But I I definitely would be swerving Spurs in this one and and maybe looking at lay. Yeah, a couple of uh, prices to keep an eye on, actually. You could back uh, Frankfurt... um, plus a half on the Asian handicap. So basically double chance effectively. Uh, and that's 1.84. And a couple of prices elsewhere. Rondal Kolumwani, who's got two goals and five assists in the Bundesliga for Frankfurt this season. 
he is 2.1 to get a goal or an assist. And then you look at Harry Kane is 2.1 to uh, score at any time. So a few interesting prices there. Massive game at San Siro as Inter take on Barcelona. Both teams have three points after two games. The Inter boss Simone Inzaghi under increasing pressure mark. They lost to Roma at the weekend and the fact that Barcelona are the odds on favourites here probably tells us a lot about where the two teams are at right now. Yeah, for sure. It uh, feels like a good time to play into Milan this. Uh, as you say, Inzaghi under big, big pressure. The word is he's been given a, a, another week, really, uh, this match against Barcelona and the next weekend's game in the league to to try and arrest a, a slide. It's been Inter's joint worst ever start to a Serie A season, losing four of their opening eight games, including Saturday night's game, as you say, against Roma. Inzaghi came out and said it was their best performance of the season um, and they suffered a, a completely undeserved defeat, in his words. Um, but regardless, the, the overall picture surrounding them is is pretty bleak at the minute. Inzaghi out was trending across Italy over the weekend. And um, yeah, I mean, he could be coming into this game without Lautaro Martinez as well. He picked up an injury at the weekend. He's already without Lukaku and Brozovic. Um, the latter, I think, is a, a hugely important cog in that inter midfield. And defensively, they've been anything but solid and stable this term too. Just three clean sheets across all competitions, but they came against Pilsen, Torino and Spezia. They've conceded twice or more in half of their 10 games across the league and Champions League. Um, and obviously, we were pretty dominated by, by Bayern here at San Siro last month too. Lost that game 2-0, but gave up 21 shots and lost the shots on target count. 11-2, 15 attempts from inside the penalty area for Bayern. Uh, that's not ideal, really, if you're going to come up against a team like Bayern or even Barcelona as well, who have injuries of their own. But I think the majority of their, their sort of first-choice options are there, there or thereabouts, apart from a right-back where I think Sergio Roberto was back in the squad at the weekend. Um, they beat Mallorca 1-0, bit of a gritty performance. And, you know, Mallorca away is, is always a bit of a tricky away day in La Liga. Superb goal from Lewandowski, but, you know, saw a different side to to Xavi's team, really. A team that's able to sort of sit in and, and, and grind things out. That was the 18th game domestically without a defeat away from home, which shows their ability to go away from the camp near an hour and get results. And, um, you know, this, in theory, should be a, a possibly an easier task than playing a, a rugged Mallorca side who like to defend deep in blocks and, and shut down the space into because of the situation, will feel that they have to, you know, that they feel obliged really to go and attack the game to try and get themselves back into a position of promise. Of course, they go to Barcelona again next week. So um, and I think that's that should be sort of Barcelona licking their lips, really. They've got so much quality in forward areas. Ansu Fati started only his second game at the weekend. Um, he might drop out, but you've still got Rafinha, Ferran Torres, Dembele, you know, all sort of vying for places alongside Lewandowski and just tons of options in midfield as well. So, you know, I think we all agree that Barcelona were very, very good in that first half in Munich on match day two. Didn't really deserve to lose the game by two goals. Lewandowski could have scored a hat-trick himself. They generated over two expected goals, won the shot count 18-13. If they come close, anywhere close to those kind of standards, I think it's going to be very difficult to see into stopping them. I think that the price is absolutely fair enough on the Catalans, but you can boost it to 11-10 to 10 by back Barcelona to win an over one and a half goals where you're, you're effectively eliminating the 1-0 away win. So uh, that's the angle I like to take here. Jake, Simone Inzaghi seems to have gone the full Mourinho recently because not only, as Mark says, did he say it was their best performance of the season against Roma, he also said ahead of time that I'm amazing, basically. I go to clubs and, you know, I improve them and, and people want to watch us. And we win trophies and things like that. But he is under pressure. What's gone wrong in your view at Inter? What's the data telling you? Um, yeah, some of those quotes there are interesting. Um, but 
basically, the data suggests he's been really unlucky on the whole so far this season. Um, you know, <clears throat> defensively, they haven't been as bad as what the results and the, and the amount of goals they've conceded would suggest. So they've they've shipped an average of 0.93 expected goals against per game. They've allowed just 7.8 expected goals against, but they've conceded an absolute hatful, haven't they? Um, particularly in recent times. So they've been really unfortunate there. Um, but what we have seen recently anyway, they started the season well, but their attacking process has dipped somewhat um, in, in the last couple of matches. Uh, you could start with the home win against Torino, where they really struggled to carve out good chances, just a one and a half XG, 1.17. They scored right at the end of that game, didn't they, to win that? They yeah. did, yeah. Uh, 1.17 away at Udinese is a, is, is a sort of average effort. And then just 0.71 at home to Roma. Um, so, the, yeah, the attacking issues are the main reason for the, the sort of faltering. But I would have to underline the, the fact that they have been really unfortunate. Um, you know, they lost the, the Milan derby. They created the better the chances in that game. Um, lost to Lazio. And it was only because Lazio scored absolute screamers that that, that was the, the case. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's reason for optimism around Inter. I wouldn't I wouldn't say Inzaghi is you know the best manager in the world, but um, yeah, there, there are reason for optimism moving forward. Not in this game though. I, I I really agree with everything Mark's just said in terms of there being a, a bit of a gulf at this moment in time between Barca and, and Inter, particularly because of Barcelona's attack. I mean, the numbers that they've been putting up um, in attack are are simply frightening. You know, they they're hitting really, really high XG totals on a pretty regular basis. And um, as Mark said, to go to Munich and put up over two expected goals is something that not many teams do. Um, and, you know, the quality they've got there, they can rest and rotate uh, and not really lose too much. So I agree with with Mark. I think his angle's really good. The the away win plus over one and a half goals. Still a few question marks for me around Barca defensively. Um, conceded quite a few good chances against Mallorca. We've seen them uh, when they have come up against slightly better opposition, they have got tested. So I just thought perhaps a, a safer play um, was to back Barcelona to score two or more goals at 1.8. So you don't, you're not relying on Barca to win the game. You just need them to score a couple of goals, which is something that they've done basically, you know, at most games this season. I think the Mallorca and Bayern were probably the two of the only um, uh, few games that they, that's actually happened in. As I said, Inter, they've been... Okay, defensively from a numbers standpoint, but the goals have been shipping. I don't know if it's something to do with the goalkeeping um, issue, or or if you know the defenders just giving giving away really good angles where perhaps it could tighten things up a little bit. Uh, but they've actually conceded two or more in four of the last six Serie A games, so it's something that they are familiar with. And, and as I said, despite the defensive process being good, they've not come up against an attacking force like this Barcelona team. Um, and I think Barca could. Well, I think they'll, they'll win the game uh, and I think they'll score a couple of goals doing it. Yeah, I think Inter in one of those weird kind of Keylor Navas, Gigi Donnarumma situations where they've got two very good goalkeepers and they don't really know which one is going to be the number one because it's quite difficult to say to Handanovic, who's been brilliant for them for years. Right, you can go now. See you later because Onana's come in, but then Onana, we know, is a quality goalkeeper. Talking of Onana, uh, the club he used to play for, Ajax, are in action against Napoli in Amsterdam. Napoli, top of the group after winning both games. Jake, I have to say, I looked at the price here. I'm really surprised to see Ajax as short as 2.3 to take the win because Napoli have looked outstanding so far. Exactly my thoughts as well, yeah. Um, and Hence why I'm, I'm backing Napoli plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap. 
Yeah. Um, around the 1.75. You might get matched at 1.8 on the exchange if you if you dangle a big enough carrot. Um, but yeah, as you said, Napoli, they've seen, they've been simply excellent, haven't they? I mean, whether it's been the Champions League or the in Serie A, they've been fantastic. Um, yeah, very little to add. The the XG per game across their 10 matches across those two competitions at 2.44, which is extremely high. Um, and you have to say credit where credit's due. The recruitment has been fantastic after um, you know so many players left in the summer. Um, and in the Champions League in particular, they've really found their, their scoring boots, you'd have to say, and, and creation... Uh, Created plenty of good chances, 3.3 and 4.8 across the two matches. And they've taken on an Ajax team who, as Mark alluded to before when we were discussing Liverpool, they were absolutely outplayed by Liverpool in that in that second game. They were comfortably second best. And since then, they've actually not won a game um, in the Eredivisie either. They've lost to AZ Altmar and, and, lost to, uh, and drew with go-ahead Eagles at the weekend. So they're not in great form. They are showing some defensive weaknesses, um, conceding a good chance in both those matches. So you'd have to think that with Nap- the way in which Napoli have been attacking, they're going to score at least once, maybe twice. And if they do that, then the chance of them avoiding defeat only increases. So, yeah, I- I- I'm-, I'm with you, Kev. I, I think Napoli are- are- should be a little bit shorter um, and are very backable um, with effectively the du- double chance. Yeah, Mark, it's a weird one, this, isn't it? You look at the prices and it just sometimes you look at a market and you just think that seems a bit wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, it's full house here. Uh, all in agreement with both of you, really, about Ajax's price. I was taking issue with that. Um, I know they look made me made me look really foolish on match day one against Rangers, but um, oh, Rangers yeah. were dreadful though. <laughs> they were, Ra- they were. I did that game, and Rangers were really, really awful. And yeah. you have to give Ajax credit; they played with intensity, with and without the ball. Mohamed Kudus was brilliant, scored an excellent goal, but Rangers were trash that day. Really, yeah. really bad. I think we earned a bit of respect back, really, when when opposing them at Liverpool. But you know they were they were well beaten at Anfield, as I've already said. Barely had a sniff. Um, now to see the price, the market is basically suggesting they're rated at a similar level to Napoli, which I think is is debatable. We've already sort of mentioned that, really. But take out that Rangers game, and they were played off the park at Anfield, beaten by RZ, who, in fair, fairness, are going great guns domestically, but held at home to go ahead Eagles at the weekend as well, which is quite an embarrassing result. And, of course, they should have dominated that game and, and, and got the result. But but they didn't, and we've spoken about the mass change in playing and coaching staff over the summer, the big exodus of well over half of their first-choice players. You know, it's bound to sort of have a few hiccups along the way. Uh, I've no doubt there'll be a force... Uh, after Christmas, perhaps, when they've had time to sort of um, gel and settle. But at the moment, I'm quite keen to still sort of oppose them, even if Victor uh, Osman is missing for for Napoli, which it looks like he's going to be again. Um, they've had a really tough start, if you think about hosting Liverpool and going away to Ibrox on a really emotional night for Rangers. Tough start on paper, but they've scored seven goals, uh, tallied the, the highest XG tally in the Champions League so far, most shots, most shots on target as well, um, and just continue to march on domestically. So impressive, just seeing off a, a stubborn Torino side on Saturday, scoring three goals uh, unbeaten. They've scored 25 goals now across nine league and Champions League games. Um, and I think you could say they've saved their, their better performances away from home uh, under Spalletti. Uh, just two uh, domestic defeats away from home under his stewardship. Uh, and if you haven't got Osmahen, you've still got Simeone or Raspadori to come in. Uh, quality and reserve there, really. And obviously, Cavara Shaler, who just continues to strengthen what is a growing reputation and Gisa as well in midfield um, sort of a, a really nice rejuvenation for him uh, in that midfield too so yeah I think that the price on them to avoid defeat in Amsterdam is, is really quite nice actually 
Yeah, Angis has turned into some kind of prime Mateus in midfield. It's like he's <laughs> just, just started like monstering midfields. It's really quite extraordinary, but well done to Spalletti for that. And I think the guys are right. I think there's such a range of threats that even if they're missing a key player like Ossiman, who is absolutely brilliant for Napoli, they can still hurt you in six or seven different ways. Uh, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder easily add our most popular or fan favorite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap t's and c's in the description 18 plus see gamblerware.org let's zoom on to wednesday then graham potter faces an enormous test as chelsea take on milan at stamford bridge both teams needed late winners at the weekend chelsea the 1.73 favorites here mark i'll come to you first I mean, again, that price seems divorced from reality to me because Chelsea are a very good side. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, they've got a great record in this competition. 1.73 against the Italian champions who are playing very, very well at the moment. Yeah, there's there's been a move for Chelsea. I can kind of understand it, really. Um, I'm really looking forward to this game because it's delicately poised in this group. And as you say, Chelsea... Expected to win the group, but they're winless. Uh, bottom, having scored just one goal against the two bottom seeds in the pool, uh, Milan top of the tree. So, um, you know, anything really but a you know a win here is 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 ideal for Chelsea because they've got to go to San Siro next week as well. So, I think the issue for Milan here is injuries. Um, Davide Calabria was stretched off against Empoli on Saturday night. They also lost Simon Kier uh, and Alexi uh, Salamakas as well. So those three are, are basically confirmed out. They're already missing Magnon in goal, Teo Hernandez and Florenzi as well. Uh, and there's doubts around Messias and, and Divock Origi as well. I mean, well, Origi certainly not, but Messias probably would have a shower starting. But it looks like those two might have an opportunity to be involved in the squad. But whether they'll start or not, I'm not sure. And, you know, that's not ideal, really. Um, their squad is already limited in the Champions League because they've got a, a lack of Italian and homegrown players as well. So if all those players are missing and the majority are missing, they could have you know, no more than 14 or 15 outfield players available for the, for the trip to Chelsea, which clearly isn't ideal. Um, but yeah, I think they can still give Chelsea a game. Um, it's clearly a handsy initiative to Chelsea, and that's probably why there's been a bit of a move for them. Uh, and after their victory at Palace on Saturday as well, still very early days. Um, took Graham Potter a long time to get cooking at Brighton, really. But, um, you know... He had a full week to prepare for most matches as well with Brighton, whereas here it's you know, games taking place every three, three, four days. And that Palace victory wasn't completely serene, particularly in the first half. There were moments of, of discomfort. Defensively, they looked a little bit shaky too. Thiago Silva could have been sent off. Did prefer the system he went with. Um, a back four, it looked like, with Kovacic and, and Jorginho in front, you know, as opposed to having Sterling as a, as a wing-back against Salzburg. But interested to see what he goes with here. But you know, I fully expect Chelsea to score. Um particularly sort of against a, a makeshift Milan defence. Um, they've only kept two clean sheets in nine across all comps this season, which is quite surprising considering that was their area of strength during the title-winning campaign. But I do feel they can cause Chelsea problems. Um, Rafael Liao is, is one of the hottest properties on the planet right now. Uh, incredible finish yet again uh, at the weekend. Uh, Giroud is playing well this season. Rebic is back in the squad. Teketa Lara, who's probably not fulfilled his promise just yet, but has real ability. Uh, Tonali's been quite decisive as well for them over the past 12 months. So, yeah, I think both teams to score was was actually quite an, an interesting option here, around 1.9. Overs is, is also quite attractive too. I think the state of the play, state of play in the group really helps here as well. Um, 
I just think with Chelsea needing victory, you'd like to think they'd be very proactive, very forward thinking. And I think that gives Milan options on the counter-attack and in transitions. They failed to score just once this season uh, and only failed to score twice away across all competitions last season. Uh, they scored at Anfield last year. They scored at Atletico Madrid in the group stage as well. So um, I thought both teams to score was was preferred over backing sort of either team. But I, I can understand the move for Chelsea. Yeah, and I think that's underlying that both teams to score bet by the fact that Tatarashanu, who's backing up the injured Mike Menion in the Milan goal, looked very, very rusty against Empoli. He did not look good at all. Uh, Jake, what's your view on this one? Um, <clears throat> I was initially looking to get Milan on side. Um, I think they're they're backable with a plus one head start on the handicap. I know what Mark's saying in terms of injuries, and I completely get that. They've got some major issues of perhaps covering, papering over the cracks. But despite backing Chelsea at the weekend um, against Crystal Palace, the underlying numbers from that game don't really paint a very pretty picture. Kind of continued in the same manner that we saw from Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel in the sense that they looked okay at the back. They didn't give up too many good chances, but they really struggled in attacking areas. Um, and that, for me, is a massive problem. Uh against an AC Milan team. I know Mark said that they've conceded quite a few goals, but from an XG standpoint, over the 10 games in the Champions League and Serie A, they've allowed just 1.01 expected goals against per game. So they're actually not allowing many good chances at all when they take to the field. Um, and on the other side of that, they're generating 1.9 expected goals for per game. So they are creating plenty of good opportunities. And uh, and Chelsea, they... They are, as I said, really struggling to find some sort of pattern um, and, and creativity up front this season. Well, it's interesting and you say that, Jake, only because I, I, I was on commentary with Sean Derry on Sunday and Sean's part of the um, coaching structure at Palace. And I said to him, how did Chelsea look? What was your kind of view of them? And he said exactly what you're saying. They had lots of attack, lots of attacks, lots of moments in midfield and attack that just broke down. And he got the feeling that it was very much a project in its infancy, that they were trying lots of things, but the players weren't quite on board, the synergy wasn't quite there. And it's going to take a while, isn't it, for Chelsea to really properly click, you'd think? It is, yeah, because you're going from a, a coach in Tuchel who's very much a back-to-front quickly, um, very much a defensive-minded in the sense of the way he sets up his back five, um, where, to a coach in Potter who's shown at Brighton that he's very much a attack-minded approach, get as many bodies into the box as you can. I mean, you only have to watch them in, at Old Trafford in that opening game of the season where he basically was playing Trossard as a left wing-back and Solly March at right wing-back. And they had, every time Brighton went forward, there were four or five players in the box. Um, that transition is going to take a while to to come to fruition for the, to get the best out of it, Chelsea. Uh, and I think that while they've still got these teething issues, then we are going to see um, some attacking problems for for Chelsea in terms of they are going to struggle to carve out big big scoring chances. They might take a lot of shots um, from distance. Obviously, one of those went in at the weekend from Gallagher and ended up winning the game. Um, but a team. With the with the individual quality that they have to, to to be averaging just one point five expected goals for per game um, through the opening throws of the season, it's just not good enough. Um, and if they continue at that rate, then they're not going to cause too many problems for elite defenses such as you you, you know AC Milan's. And it, it will be makeshift at the week in midweek, but they're still the way in which they set up is very very they're very well drilled, they're very organised, um, and they've got 
people like Tamori and Giroud in the, in the ranks that want to make a statement. They were both let go by Chelsea. They'll be wanting to up the game and, and, and have a real impact. And Tamori in particular, I can see him wanting to put a real stamp on this game for obviously Chelsea reasons, but also England reasons. Because um, there's every chance that Southgate might go to watch that game because of it being in, in the UK. Um, so yeah, Chelsea's struggling in attack plus Milan general all-round process for me. Um, I think that even if Milan do lose the game, I don't think it'll be by a couple of goals. If Chelsea win, it'll be a one-goal win, a 1-0 or a 2-1. Um, uh, so taking plus one on the Asian handicap covers you for that. You get your money back. And if Milan obviously avoid defeat, which I think will probably be their aim um, at Stamford Bridge, given that they've got a back-to-back. If they can get a point at the bridge, win at the San Siro, then they're well on the way to, to qualifying from the group. So, yeah, happy to get Milan on side despite the injury issues, just purely because of the early teething issues for, for, for Potter. It'll be interesting to see how that one turns out. Rafael Liao, brilliant again, as Mark says at the weekend. If you haven't seen his goal to wrap the game up against Empoli, it's very much worth watching. Uh, RB Leipzig have lost both games in the Champions League so far, but they've won three at home in a row in the Bundesliga without conceding, commentating on their game on Saturday at home to Borkum. Borkum were awful, by the way, uh, but Leipzig were very, very good. Uh, and Kunku got a couple of goals, Timo Vey got a couple of goals. Mark, I was looking at the anytime goal scorer odds here. And Kunku's 2.5 to score at any time. That's too big. And uh, Timo Werner's 2.4 to score at any time. That's too big as well. Um, how do you see this going? Because I know Leipzig have been really up and down. But I, I think they're going to give Celtic lots and lots of problems. Yeah, I worry for Celtic here. Um, but before I do, you're too modest to say it yourself, but you've been um, sort of cashing in on, on Kunku for, for quite some time, including at the weekend, uh, highlighting that as a as a great bet to play. So thanks for that. And I'm sure all the Thank listeners will much. agree too. Um, yeah, I do worry about Celtic. Um, could and should have beaten Motherwell by more on Saturday. It's not a huge deal because they still won the game and whatever else. But uh, it did come off the back of a, a pretty dour defeat at St Mirren before the international break. And there's been a bit of vulnerability about them in recent weeks. And they haven't been playing with the same level of control we've come to expect. Now, you can speculate and say there's been a dip because of links of Ange Postacoglu with the Premier League. But he's been pretty firm in his commitment to the Celtic core. So I don't think that's at stake. I think a bigger issue here is, is injuries, particularly at centre-half. And um, they're basically their first two the first choice defenders have been have been sidelined. Kyle Starfelt, who'll be missing here again, uh, as well as Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's been really sort of influential for them. There's hope that he might be fit and available, but basically the pairing of Moritz Jens and Stephen Welsh have been massively unconvincing, albeit just a two-game sample. But Celtic have looked really susceptible to crosses and set pieces, and I know that's not necessarily Leipzig's forte, but it's an area they're going to bound to have seen in tapes and, and with their scouts, but it's an area that they can be... Uh, got at really so hopeful for Celtic that they can get Carter Vickers back um, if they can it's a big bonus but I think if this game was taking place at Parkhead I'd have a bit more faith in Celtic um, I know Rangers dumped Leipzig out of last year's Europa League but they did that um, despite enduring a, a very nervous night at uh, the Red Bull Arena Christopher Nkunku missed up a, a couple of great chances and, and yeah. Leipzig really probably should have got a result in that game but you know Leipzig, as you say, tend to do their best work at home. They're gunning really well right now uh, on home soil. Just four defeats across home games across all competitions since the start of last season. Um, I think they've got a point to prove as well after the embarrassment against Shakhtar on match day one. 
That was under Tedesco. They're now under Marco Rosa's watch. And I thought they were excellent away at Real Madrid and really unfortunate to lose that game 2-0. Very, very harsh scoreline. They created loads of opportunities and they're a bit more clinical. They, they could have easily won that game. But yeah, against Bochum, they started with uh, Nkunku, Werner, Schoberslein and Andre Silva. Um, so much firepower and ability. Um, obviously, Andre Silva still sort of searching for his finest form. But elsewhere, you've got Forsberg coming off the bench as well. Um, I'm just not sure how Celtic can, can sort of keep those Leipzig players quiet over 90 minutes, really. And they performed reasonably well against Shakhtar on neutral ground on match day two, but again, looked quite fragile defensively and again, looked quite vulnerable to counterattacks and transitions, which is... you'd think where Leipzig can excel at. So um, I like Leipzig here. I think the price is obviously a little bit short, but if you back them to win and over one and a half goals, again, just ruling out the 1-0 home victory, you're getting around just shy of 1.9, which is quite an attractive price to me. Uh, They're actually without a clean sheet at home in the Champions League uh, since match day one of 2020-21, which is quite a long time ago. They've only kept two clean sheets in 15 home games in this competition. So there is encouragement there for Celtic. But as we know, Celtic have a a pretty disastrous record away from home in the Champions League too. So uh, back in the home win alongside over one and a half goals. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Celtic couldn't really deal with the threat of Mikhailo Mudrik in that game against Shakhtar. And if they struggle to contain him, they're definitely going to struggle to contain the likes of Werner and Nkunku. And I think even though Andre Silva's not scoring goals, I actually thought he played much better uh, against Borkum at the weekend. And Marco Rosa said that it really stung him not to get called up by Portugal. And so because he was back with the group for those 10 days, he actually trained really well. So we might see him play well too. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain or Paris Saint-Germain. I don't know why I'm calling them Paris Saint-Germain. Very strange. Uh, They're perfect so far. They go to a Benfica team that just won at Juventus. Jake, we've got a potential cracker on our hands here, haven't we? We do, yeah. Uh, Benfica, they've looked really, really good. I like them to qualify from this group uh, before the group stage started. Um, And they, they, yeah. I don't think any. I don't think I would have expected them to go to Juventus and win in such a dominant fashion in which they did. Because not only did they win the match, but the XG total was really heavily in Benfica's favour as well. So, really deserved that win. Um, this is a dif- different test altogether, though, because I think PSG are a cut cut above both Benfica and Juventus, um, and the more on the levels, I would think maybe just underneath the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City, um, <clears throat> and Bayern Munich. But I just thought a pure price play. I thought PSG were too big for this. Um, four to five, you can back them out on the exchange. And I just think that it's just a too big a jump. Um, we saw them a couple of weeks ago, PSG go away to Lyon. They went off at 1.54. Are Benfica that much better than Lyon? Um, I would say, obviously, there's still we, we've got question marks around Lyon, but from a data perspective, they are currently sat third based on expected points in Liga, and so they are performing at a high level. Um, and I, I don't think there's such a big difference between Lyon and Benfica to have one at to PSG to be 1.54 at Lyon and 1.8 at Benfica. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think you'll see a price like this around PSG against a team that is effectively second tier when it comes to European club competitions. Um, and you know they're creating a lot of good chances. Our PSG, they obviously had the individual quality. They've now got a coach in there uh, in Gaultier who seems to be getting the team playing like a team, uh, which is something that they perhaps didn't do a couple of year, uh, for the last couple of seasons. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite high on PSG overall this season. I think they could have a good run in the Champions League. And, and I think if they win this game again at Benfica, pretty much got the group wrapped up, which means that they can focus on other commitments. 
I think if Neymar and Mbappe don't kill each other uh, by the uh, end of the season, I think Paris Saint-Germain... Do you reckon uh, it's possible we could get a, uh, was it Kieran Dyer-Lee Bowyer moment? Oh, yes. Somebody was talking about that the other day, actually, on social media, was saying that exact incident uh, we could see between the two of them. I'm surprised uh, watched... no one's grabbed the, the faces and, and put it on, on the Oh, I'm sure that will happen. I'm yeah. sure that will happen. It'll probably be a deep fake these days with the uh, ability of AI. Um, I, I saw them against Nice at the weekend. And it was a very strange game. They were so like so dominant. It was untrue in the first half. And then Nice had a spell where they played really, really well. And Paris didn't really seem to know how to deal with it. They seemed very surprised by the whole thing. And then Mbappe scored the winner anyway. So strange game that at the weekend. Uh, Mark, let's have a look at Manchester City against Copenhagen, shall we? Poor old Copenhagen. Uh, this could get quite ugly for the visitors, couldn't it? But how do you attack a game like this? If you've got City so short uh, against a team like Copenhagen, are you in bet builder territory? How do you go about trying to get a decent price for something like this? Do you want the honest answer? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Don't bet it and bet elsewhere. Fine. There's more appealing <laughs> plays. Um, honestly, that's that. I just tend to sort of gloss gloss over these kind of games because it's it is difficult unless you've got a strong opinion that the underdog can be competitive. Um, it can be can be hard, but yeah, if you want to get involved, bet builder is always the way to go. And we've found ways of Man City in the past to to engineer a decent price, whether it's getting close to even money or even bigger than that, then um, yeah, if, if that's the game you want to watch, then that's obviously the route to go down. If you want to have a bit of enjoyment with a bet, getting the bet builder, you know, just back the usual stuff, City to City minus one, Haaland to score, that kind of thing. But, you know, I think this might be a potential game where Pep decides to, to rest and rotate because, you know, fresh off the derby where they were quite impressive, um, Copenhagen at home should be in theory the easiest game in the group so wouldn't be too surprised if he did rest and rotate so it might be a lineup check um, at seven o'clock on uh, on Wednesday evening but uh, yeah it's not a bet it's not a game for me to get involved in I love the way you said quite impressive they won 6-3 they absolutely battered Manchester United in the first half I think Pep Guardiola needs to get Mark in to kind of keep expectation levels <laughs> down maybe they'll, they'll have hammered Barcelona 10-0 well okay that was a decent performance you know let's build on it um very quick mention of the Europa League now I think we're all pretty much of the same mind that if you're gonna go to the outrights on a, in a competition like the Conference League and the Europa League, you kind of got to wait to see who drops down from the above competition because if you don't know, the teams have finished third in the groups uh, in the Champions League, drop down into a playoff against Europa League teams, and that's exactly the same for the Europa League and Conference League. But Jake, just a quick one on Arsenal because, of course, Arsenal's performances in the Premier League have been excellent so far. They're 5.5 to win the Europa League. We don't know who's going to drop down, but if you win your Europa League group, you go straight through to the last 16. Is that something people should be getting involved with right now? Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, there's three reasons. One you've mentioned there, the, the potential drop downs. The second reason is you have to win your group. I think we agree Arsenal will win the group. Yeah. But the third reason, and I think it's probably the most important when you're talking about an Arsenal is league commitments and where you're placing in the league because ultimately if Arsenal are as they if they carry on as they are doing and they, they sort of continue to set the pace at the top of the Premier League table Europa League is going to be back of the mind they're not going to be interested um, and if they carry on the way which they are then it looks the Champions League they should qualify 
um, through the, the league route, in which case, again, the Europa League goes to the back of the mind because, yes, it is a trophy, but it's also a massive distraction and a massive hindrance from the back end of the season. Having to play Thursday. That's the Sunday, I heard. Thursday, that's the Sunday. official tagline for the. Competition. It is, yeah. Uh, the, the Europa League, a massive hindrance. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. the soundtrack says something <laughs> along those lines as well. Um, but yeah, for, for clubs like Arsenal, if they, as I said, if they continue, and I think they they will, they'll continue to be in and around the top four. They probably will finish in the top four. Um, then it, the Europa League becomes um, a secondary target for teams like Manchester United, who might be on the outside of the, the top four looking in for the majority of the season. And it might be um, seen as a route for for them to get back into the Champions League. Uh, the same can be said for the likes of Real Betis, Real Sociedad. Um, so you'd have to give them the, the nod over the team like Arsenal, who it looks at this moment in time like they're going to be a title challenger, in which case... Yeah, the the extra distraction is not warranted and not needed, and and you could almost argue to the same extent Roma. You could maybe put a line through them if they continue to challenge uh, and play in the way which they are doing. Um, then uh, you know, but then you have to caveat that with the Mourinho factor, who is literally he wants to win everything at, at every time. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be going near Arsenal at the prices. Um, I, I, again, I, Manchester United, I probably would put them slightly ahead of Arsenal just purely because of the fact that I can see them in and around or after the World Cup break, I can see them being fifth, sixth in the Premier League table um, and probably wanting to, to have a long run in the Europa League as a, as a potential route to get back into the Champions League. So, yeah, uh, I, I've got a couple of big big negatives back in Arsenal at the price. But if, if all goes wrong in the Premier League and, and they lose three or four in the bounce and they drop down to fourth, fifth, then then I would be looking at, at them to... to Compete in this in this um, competition, but as as things stand, then I, I think they'll continue to rotate and, and not take it as seriously as other teams. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Every single Premier League game gets previewed on our website, betting.betfair.com. We've got lots of coverage of massive hindrances like the Europa League and the Conference League as well, if that's your thing. From Jake, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.